It's an honor to have Shane Oshner of Everything in Slow Motion back for a talk on The Antidote. Shane, it's great to have you here. It's good to be back many years later. I can't believe how long it's been since we last had a talk. It was 2013 when we got together to chat about the Phoenix album. So I guess we are overdue for this talk. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. I just remember sitting in my apartment in the closet because we were just in like a little apartment in North Dakota. And the only place that I could put like a somewhat of like a little music room or something was in this giant walk-in closet. (laughs) And uh, so, yeah, I had the computer in there and that's where I last talked to you. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. But now we have a chance to bring everything up to date. I've got to tell you, I've labeled myself as the biggest fan of everything in slow motion. Really? Maybe that's because I've been following your music since you were involved with Hands. But when Hands dissolved, it opened the door for you to reinvent yourself as everything in slow motion. Were you happy about making a change? Yeah, definitely. It's fun. Like It's been a cool experience. I had a blast doing Hands for sure because it was kind of like a cool outlet to just explore and create music with you know, some of my very best friends and we got to make the most of it and go travel and, you know, kind of do the thing, which was awesome. And then, um, we kind of closed the door on that. I think at the right time before, you know, we, we were too bitter about being on the road and (laughs) we definitely were burnt out and I think just ready to be home and do other things. And, uh, yeah, I mean, from there, it was just like, okay, I, I have to keep doing music. I have to keep doing something. Um, and that's where everything in slow motion started. And uh, it's been a really cool journey because I've gotten to do a lot on my own, which has been fun, just kind of being in my own head. But then I've gotten to rope, you know, a lot of the same friends into it and still, you know, play some shows here and there, whatever. So, yeah, it's been good. But the extensive touring days, they're gone. Uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, I think (laughs) at this point, it's just touring seems to be gone anyways. (laughs) But um, good point. I'm kind of curious to see like how it all plays out. And the idea of just jumping in a van and uh, going out and traveling and playing venues, you know, for whatever, a 100 bucks a night is definitely not on the table anymore. But you never know. Crazy opportunities present themselves sometimes, and I'm always ready for that. So I'll never say never. Something about everything in slow motion is that you'll see the band picture of the four of you. But in reality, isn't everything in slow motion simply yourself? Started that way. At the time, at the very beginning, I didn't like the idea of um, it being cast as like a solo project uh, because I knew that we would want to play live and the idea of just like seeing like uh, here, here's a new band. It's called Everything in Slow Motion and the picture is just one guy, but it's like a full blown rock band. Like it didn't seem cool to me. Um, And so it's always been like, you know, we need we need people to be a part of this to whatever extent and you know and as of recently it's been a little bit more consistent and stable like there's there's a group of guys that i've been playing with for the last few years you know the roles are 
not typical for well i don't know bands are weird these days there's every band functions different so i shouldn't even say that but um yeah it's, it's no longer a solo project so you know it started that way but it's not that anymore and aaron crawford my drummer um and good friend he uh was heavily heavily involved like him and i are the ones that kind of took charge on this newest record and then our friend nate washburn who's a producer and then the other two guys that are in the band uh michael and my friend aaron bickle they didn't really have much to do with the album but they were there for the shows and obviously providing wonderful emotional support to get through it (laughs) (laughs) we're a band well i want to head back to the debut album phoenix from everything in slow motion One of the album's songs was Most Days. Now, I included that track on the Antidote's list of perfect songs. Now, I'm just a listener. You're the song creator. So I need to hear from you. What does it take to make a perfect song? I wouldn't know, man. (laughs) (laughs) Wouldn't know. Um, You know, I don't think it exists. I mean, I think it's entirely entirely up to the listener, you know, kind of what they classify as the perfect song for them or the right song at the right time. You know, I'm I'm not really sure. So I don't know how to answer that, Dave. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. I appreciate it. I'm glad you dig the song. It's a, it's a cool song for sure. So I, I enjoy it. Well, maybe I should ask something simpler or maybe it's not. Anyway, years ago, I remember reading a review about your 2016 EP, Laid Low. The reviewer complained that the release didn't have a standout single. I didn't agree. But are singles important? Sure. Honestly, I think that that EP holds everything in slow motion's best single that we've ever put out, and that's the song Bad Season. I I think that that song is a really great single. Um, You know, I, I do think it's probably important to kind of choose a handful of songs that you want to lead with you know i think if you're going to introduce people to new music one of the fun parts is kind of figuring out how you're going to roll it out to people you know not everyone does that it it seems more common these days to just kind of drop an album out of nowhere uh and just go for it because now it's it's an issue of just keeping people's two seconds of attention you know like putting out the first single might not mean anymore that they're actually going to listen to the album or even care about it by the time it comes out. You know, I have no idea. Like, I don't know how it works anymore. And I don't think a lot of people do. (laughs) Everyone's kind of trying to figure out how do you release music right now? What's the right way to do it? As far as singles go, I mean, I still think it's cool to have a handful of songs that you're going to lead with and lay out for people to say like, okay, here's, Here's what we're doing. Here's kind of your intro into this whole thing. Shane, I need you to tell us when you began working on your new Influence album. Because you and I had spoken at Audio Feed Festival in 2019. You'd made it sound as if it was on the verge of being released, but what's up with that? Does quality take time? Yeah, it takes time. And I think just being in the right headspace like to, to do it is is important too and 
I mean, I, I guess we started really recording this thing in December 2018 is when we actually began tracking. Uh, and the plan was to have it out, you know, within four or five months. And obviously that didn't happen. You know, for this particular record, it's hard to even narrow it down to just one thing causing a delay. I think there's a lot of, um, you know, personal things that I was trying to get through and figure out and music just kind of took a back seat to that. Um, and then anytime I, you know, I'd try and come back to music, it just didn't quite feel right. It didn't feel like whatever I was writing was something that I was, um, proud of or in love with, you know, and then you, you match that up with the labor of this record, you know, In, in my past studio experiences, most of the time it's been we come into a studio we've got maybe two weeks you know to get everything done and tracked and wrapped up and everything is just kind of go 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 and with this record i mean you, you we just couldn't have done it so we we tracked drums and you know three different locations and three different states and we you know we were all over the place um a, a lot of attention to detail you know, on this one and, and making sure that everything is the way we wanted it. And there was a lot that kind of went down with this record that made it feel like it was actually never going to happen. So the fact that it is coming out, even still to me, is pretty mind blowing. So, yeah, it's it was a beast. <laughs> Isn't that unfortunate? Here you've made it sound as if it was more like a chore than being enjoyable to record the new album. Hmm. Yeah, it felt like it, for sure. I mean, it really felt like uh, a massive burden. And like I said, I, I think there were many times I, I thought it wasn't going to get done. And we would keep pushing back, you know, the date and say like, okay, we're going to have it done by this date. We're going to have it done by this date. Um, you know, let's try and schedule a release for this date because for sure we're going to have it turned in by, you know, whatever, insert date. And it's like, I think we blew like seven or eight deadlines um, oh. total, which is nuts. But we just kept thinking like, we can do this. We can get this done. And it was just so frustrating to constantly miss those deadlines and constantly feel like you're never going to get out of this hole, you know, and the record's already paid for. Everything is lined up to where like you have to deliver something, you know, I don't know. There's just an immense amount of, of pressure and, it did feel like a chore, <laughs> but, uh, but again, it's kind of like, it was all worth it. That's the fun part is I'm, I'm glad it didn't come easy. We walked through a lot of fire, I think, to, to come out on the other side with this one. And we're super, super proud of it. It's, it's freaking awesome. You and I have been speaking about singles. Well, the lead single from influence is the title track. You brought in Aaron Stone of My Epic for guest vocals. Was he returning the favor? Weren't you featured on a My Epic song? Yeah, I did a song with them um, called Ghost Story a few years back. And uh, at the time, I think I just told him, well, you're going to sing on one of my records sometime soon. And, and I'm sure even back then, I was already thinking like, cool, well, we'll have a full length out in six months, you know, and insert you know whatever three four years later here we are but uh well probably longer than that what was that that was maybe like 2015 i think 
I can't remember. Either way, uh, yeah, it, it was one of those things where I just thought it would be fun to tag him in and have him do something on one of my records. And we've been friends for such a long time, and it's like I just thought it would be cool to collaborate. And that particular song is kind of an unusual environment for Aaron Stone. Like, I mean, it was an unusual environment for me as well, vocally, like trying to tackle that song and figure out, like, how am I going to do this? this is a cool song and the riff is cool and whatever, but this is new territory for me. Like it felt like this is going to be a huge challenge. And, uh, I thought, you know what? I'm not going to go through this alone. I'm going to bring Aaron in with me. <laughs> <laughs> so we had a blast. It's like, it, it turned out super cool. And I really love, you know, I've said it before, I guess, where like there are so many other moments on this album that you could have just put Aaron in and, and it would have made so much sense. Like, there's a lot of really cool, like, beautiful, melodic parts that his voice would have just been perfect for. Um, but it's also just kind of like we've heard that from Aaron for years. Like, that's that's what he does. And so let's rip him out of his element and throw him into, you know, rock and roll world and see what happens. And uh, it was cool. I, I feel like fans of my epic and fans of this band kind of got, like, a really unexpected sound or unexpected uh, collaboration. I'm glad that you brought up about that because I find with each release from everything in slow motion, it always comes with a surprise. It's never the same as the last, like the influence release. There's less of the hard vocals and musically it seems to be more focused on smooth melodies. Do you intentionally set out to make a change like a major change on each release? I think the surprise on this album is that we weren't lying about it and that it really was going to come out eventually. (laughs) (laughs) Surprise, there actually is a new album. Um, Anyways, now, uh, I don't plan for that stuff. It just sort of naturally happens. When I think about the rest of the catalog, it's like this has certainly been the... um, longest periods of time between releases for me ever phoenix obviously being seven years ago and then laid low there's four years i think from now to that release and so there's very large gaps and for me that's a lot of time a lot of music consumed a lot of uh a lot of life happening so it's just kind of a natural progression I've been writing music every day recently. Now I take an hour a day and I try and write something as just a writing exercise. And the stuff that comes out is all over the place. Um, And I think if I tried to write an album just like Influence, I don't think I could do it. We're already in just a totally different realm. To me, that's just what keeps it really exciting if people are still listening and, and willing to support the band and, and and make it to where we can actually continue to put out records, it's like, that's awesome. And for me, it's just kind of another opportunity to, you know, do something exciting, do something cool that we're excited about. And I just don't want to ever put out a dud. I don't want to do something for the sake of trying to replicate something that's already been. And I think that's always been kind of one of my biggest worries in writing music. I don't want it to sound the same. 
Like you kind of have the things that make you, you, Mm -hmm. and you can't really take those things away. And so for me, that's kind of the safety net. I feel like it's always going to sound like me. If you're a fan of everything in slow motion and you've listened to the whole catalog, one, it shouldn't come as a surprise that trajectory of everything, you know, it's, it's just kind of been going this way the whole time, but there's always going to be that element of whatever it is that I do. It's just, we're still exploring, you know, we're still trying to push the envelope a little bit. Basically, I think if you're one of those people that's out there right now and you're listening to the new everything in slow motion music and, and you're, you're the guy or gal that's out there just being like, man, I really hope that this next song has got the guttural vocals. You're not even paying attention. There's one constant with everything in slow motion. The songs speak about using real emotions to deal with life. Like on Taking Turns, the song has this weird dichotomy of having mild vocals and music, but it says, I never saw this coming from you. Congratulations. You kept on swinging when I was down. You got what you wanted. Now just leave me alone. How do songs like that begin? That's the first time I've ever heard anyone actually repeat a lyric back to me, like especially on this new record. So it was a very weird experience. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, oh, dang, I said that, huh? (laughs) Um, I don't know. Lyrically, yes, I tend to wear my heart on my sleeve and just kind of say exactly what I'm feeling. I mean, music has been an emotional outlet for me. I can't think of a song that I've written out of purely just like, you know, well, I don't know, I'm just going to come up with some crazy story and try and, you know, find a bunch of words that sound really cool and catchy and put them all together and make this killer song. I've never, ever approached it that way. It's usually sitting in deep thought in my own head, combing over my experiences and the things I'm thinking and trying to, you know, somehow translate that. But I also don't want to be too personal with everything. I don't want to say that, like, all the music is just like an autobiography. Mm -hmm. I think in the earlier days, it was probably more like that. Like, I think Give Me Rest is definitely like a autobiography. That's just like, all right, I'm fresh off the road and I'm upset at everything and I definitely have 10 songs worth of lyrics that I need to get out you know Mm -hmm. but then going into Phoenix I I feel like I had gotten all of that out you know (laughs) like it was interesting like I guess trying to find new ways to write and new ways to think about things and, and drawing inspiration from other places and so with this album it was taking walks every day um, and just journaling. And you know, that could be a, a combination of life experiences for me. That could be a combination of, you know, maybe movies or songs that capture specific emotions that really move me and trying to figure out what it is about those things that I love and somehow put that into one of these songs, you know? So, so I don't know this. I mean, that song in particular, Taking Turns is probably the most like blunt song on the record as far as just like saying it like there's really no like sugarcoating <laughs> in that. um 
but yeah i mean obviously that song is rooted in you know some sort of uh betrayal that's obvious you know i think everyone would kind of gather that it's just a uh, adult experiences you know <laughs> it's just life so I, I can't speak about any particular experience but if, if you're in that moment and, and you're feeling that that song will probably feel relatable you're breaking the trend with influence you're not doing an ep you're not really doing a run of singles this is a full length do longer releases tell a different story uh i think so i personally didn't like putting out an ep i think that that was okay at the beginning of the band like when we did the the two songs with red and exosphere because it felt like we're introducing something new and this is kind of the gateway to what's to come but like releasing like the laid low ep for me like i like the songs but i didn't like the experience i didn't give myself the opportunity to really spend time with developing that EP. It felt like an experiment to me. You know, I feel like all five songs are kind of on different wavelengths from each other. Um, I didn't feel satisfied at the end in the sense of like, man, this feels like a cohesive project. It just felt like here's five songs and they're all cool songs. I love them. I think they're awesome, but it just didn't feel complete to me, I guess. I can't pinpoint all the reasons why, but Mm -hmm. I felt like doing a full length is the way to go. Like for me, I I just think that that's what satisfies me as an artist. I I don't necessarily know that that's the way to do it, to try and whatever, be successful in music or in the music industry or get people's attention. I I don't know if music consumers prefer things that way. I I certainly don't. Um, I still enjoy full length records. So for me, you know, this has to be a full length. And with Influence, like I said, kind of given the nature of the album and the struggle of the album, it's like this had to be a full length. There's no way this could have been anything else. I made you uncomfortable earlier reading you some of your own song lyrics. (laughs) Yeah. I want to do it again. Hit me. The song Choke. A stranger, your sympathy is nothing free. You're just so cold. You'd rather watch me choke. Those are hard words. Um, yeah, it was kind of strange, like, reading the lyrics back for the first time. I think you get so invested in the project and just kind of like the hurricane of everything happening. Like, you don't really get a full picture of what you've created until it's over. I mean, that's how I feel anyways. Um, And so when we were gathering up the layout for the album, I had to proofread the lyrics to make sure that there was no spelling errors or any weird gaps in things, you know? Um, And so I'm I'm proofreading the lyrics from front to back. No music, I'm just reading everything. And it was strange because it was the very first time that I had actually like gotten this full picture of just like, oh, wow. This is a dark record. (laughs) (laughs) And I I knew that it was a total like rainy day record. But I just, I don't know. I didn't realize the magnitude of everything until I read everything through. It's weird, man. Like I said, even having you read it like that, it's just like, oh yeah, I said that. 
I'm so distracted by the music. I'm a lyric guy to a certain extent. When I listen to music, I'm just like, I'm listening to like everything else. Like if I listen to a song the first time, I'm never listening to the lyrics first, ever. I'm listening to the music. I'm listening to the drums and the guitars and what's happening here and the dynamics of everything. You know what I mean? Yeah, I get that. So anyways, um, to get back to your question, since I I veered off for about five minutes there, um, the song, I like to leave things to interpretation. I I think think the album's much better that way, and I, I feel like I'm taking something away from it every time I share something about it or give any insight into the lyrics but i think that that song is just about for me that you know there's some people that want to watch you fail and that's a really interesting thing i don't know i guess that's just how it ended up coming out of me is this idea of uh of choking (laughs) and and you know it is people um i think wanting to see you fail so that, that's at least uh, where it started for me. Got a question for you. Taking Turns was originally titled The Green Mile. Oh, yeah. How'd you know that? Because when I got the lyric sheets, it said The Green Mile. And I'm like, oh, yeah, sure, I've seen that movie. But then I'm thinking, hang on, that doesn't match up with the song title on the recording. So I was thinking that there could be a movie influence. It's weird that that was on the lyric sheet. That's a mistake. To explain that, uh, it actually didn't weigh in on the song at all. It um, didn't seem to when I read through the lyrics. No. So basically, all of the working titles for this entire record were Tom Hanks movies. <laughs> like the song Influence, like the working title was Turner and Hooch for like two and a half years. are you serious that's hilarious yeah 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 they're all tom hanks movies uh choke was forrest gump um yeah it's pretty funny so but yeah taking turns was the green mile i get it i'm a big tom hanks fan oh man me too you made an interesting pick for the final song on influence End of My Rope speaks about final days and laying your burden down. So, <laughs> what is this? Are you feeling old? <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm definitely feeling old, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but, no. End of My Rope was written by my friend Rick Todd. He's one of my best friends and maybe the most gifted musician I know and songwriters. And uh, he put this song out on his EP uh, like five years ago. And it's actually an EP that I played drums on and him and I kind of worked together a little bit on it. And I always told him that I was going to re-record this song as an everything in slow motion song and just make it like really atmospheric and heavy. And because the original song is kind of uh, like a real kind of bluesy R&B kind of sound. So I definitely recommend going and, and looking up rick todd and searching end of my rope because that whole ep is awesome anyways the song is just rad though and lyrically i think it's really beautiful and really relates to the rest of this record you know it just kind of speaks to this thing of like i've got no answers at the end of my rope i don't know what else to do and uh 
I think just that feeling of living in a moment, being so confused uh, on on where to go next and what to do, um, is an interesting moment, and it seems fitting to end a rather dark record with this song. <laughs> where I think the last lines of the the lyrics are, life is short, the world is dark, you know? And it's true. It's not what everyone wants to hear. And I'm not saying that, you know, everyone should listen to this song every day to get themselves pumped up, or this record, rather. But, you know, again, it, it speaks to these very real moments. It's a killer song, and Rick, Rick is on it and shreds this super cool bluesy guitar solo in the middle of it and we're just stoked that he allowed us to record it you've just said that the album is dark and of course you've entitled it influence how about telling us what kind of an effect it will have on listeners i don't know it's out of my control you know um you've done your four years of hard labor and that's it yeah, I've done my part, I guess. I've been honest, and the record is a result of that. And from this point on, I don't control any of it. So, I mean, you always hope that you know people can find something that kind of meets them. I always hope that for the songs that I've put out. And, um, you know, what else can you do? We're super proud of the record. We're super proud how it came out. And... uh Anything beyond that is out of our control. Shane of Everything in Slow Motion has been here on The Antidote. Man, thanks for coming. I really appreciate this talk. You're welcome. Thank you for having me again. I appreciate that. Hopefully it's not another seven years before a record comes out. <laughs> but maybe, maybe it will be. Who knows? <laughs> I hope not.